And welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Uh, we are in December now, which is we're about two months out from what's traditionally been the uh, better part of a decade now, the start of the college lacrosse season. February 1st. Start of the college lacrosse season. And we ain't got no schedules. Ain't got none. I have partial schedules. And I do know of some conferences who apparently have their schedules finished conference-wise, but it's not out to the public yet. So we'll see what happens between now and February. Uh, we will get schedules before February. Um, I've been, you know, I've been stomping my feet for months. Um, February lacrosse is gonna happen. Um, there are multiple like D three schools that have February lacrosse. Like, go to look up, go to your favorite D three school, whatever. There's schedules on the website. There's plenty of them out there. And they're starting in February. Um, high school teams down here in Kentucky and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida will be starting mid to late February. Uh, so we'll have February lacrosse Division One um, without a doubt. Um, Division Two and Three in high school will, will certainly happen and is, is scheduled to happen at this point. Um, we know the Ivy League has pushed back to March. May other conferences do so. I don't know. Um, again, we haven't had any definite uh, answers yet. Uh, we should be getting them, though, here soon. And from what I hear, I hear sometimes before the holidays. I hear sometimes after the holidays. So um, around the holidays, which is about 25 or so days from now, uh, is when we should be hearing uh, college lacrosse schedules. So uh, less than a month uh, or a month away is when we should be getting some schedules dropping from teams and conferences. Um, so it is it's almost here. It's, it's almost here, guys. Two and a half, three months until the season officially kicks off. And, you know, again, if you've listened to this, and I think I've mentioned this before, I don't talk about COVID a lot on here because I know a lot of y'all want to escape from that. And that's everywhere when you unplug those headphones or whatever you're listening to this on. Um, that's everywhere. And so you don't want to come listen to a low-cost podcast and, or go to a low-cost website and read or listen about COVID. Uh, but it, obviously, like many other things in uh, sports and society, it intertwines, right? Everyday life intertwines with athletics all the time. Um, and this is a case of that uh, very much so. As I just mentioned, the schedules, we don't know what they're going to look like. Um, another thing we don't know, and this is this is interesting, and I haven't thought about this before until I got this message the other day from someone. Um, y'all thought about Hopkins and what their season might be? Well, I should rephrase this. Y'all ever thought about Hopkins not having a season? 
They hire Peter Millman over the summer. He brings in uh, John Grant Jr. And then uh, Kostner coming over from UMBC to be his defensive coordinator. You got two awesome coordinators. You got a great head coach. Got some studs on that team. Obviously, they're not the most talented in the Big Ten, but I think they can make some headway this year in, in year one. I'm really excited to see what they can do. But there's a corner, a section, whatever you want to call it, of the Hopkins fan base that is cautious when talking about the 2021 season. And they're cautious for this one reason. Hopkins, we all know this, Hopkins is a leader among medical institutions. They're one of the greatest medical schools in the world. The people from all over that come to Hopkins to go to medical school. They're they're a leader in that field. They're also a leader, and because of that, because of this, I don't know if this is the right term to use, COVID ecosystem, they're a leader within this COVID ecosystem as well because of the medical acumen um, reputation as a medical school. But they actually put out like the numbers that you see going across the screens. If y'all ever watch like the national news, uh, I believe Fox, CNN both use the Johns Hopkins numbers. So you're telling me the school that we root for, that we love to watch, again, speaking to the Hopkins fan base here, school that y'all root for and watch and lacrosse is also the same place that's putting out the numbers that uh, you see on TV every day. Okay, cool. And I've been to the Hopkins you know, uh, database, the the big the Hopkins COVID map that they everyone was talking about early on. Like It's probably the most notable COVID map. Imagine if Hopkins has an outbreak on the campus. And I, I know they haven't had, I don't think they've had people on campus in the fall. Uh, again, they didn't have fall ball. They didn't have fall athletics. Uh, so I don't think they had any people on campus. I don't know what they're going to do in the spring. Uh, we'll see. I don't think that's been announced yet. Um, we'll see. Obviously, Hampton's already canceled. Hopkins could be next. Um and again, what, like, and, and the question that I got the other day was posed to me like this. It was like, if Hopkins lets kids back like they've done in other places in the spring, or like they have done and are going to do at other schools across the country in the spring, um, what happens if they have an outbreak? What happens if that outbreak is linked to lacrosse? Like, like, what if they have a game canceled because of an outbreak within their team? How's that going to look for Johns Hopkins, the team, the school that the school that is putting out these numbers, has an outbreak on their campus? Johns Hopkins, the school that's putting out these numbers, has a game canceled because of numbers, COVID numbers within their own program. That is going to go beyond, both of those situations will go beyond our lacrosse bubble, will go beyond the Hopkins bubble. 
that will go into the national stratosphere. That will be everywhere. It might not be headline news, but that will be everywhere. That Hopkins had an outbreak, Hopkins had a case, Hopkins had to cancel a game. Like, that will be all over the place. And they could receive some pretty harsh backlash, um, you know, warranted or not, um, uh, specifically from that kind of medical community. And is that something that, you know, would that diminish Hopkins' reputation uh, as a school? I don't think so, but that image, that image crisis, is that something that the administration fears? And I never thought about that before, but that's a good point. Right or wrong, whether you agree with it or not, that's got to be something that they look at because of where they sit in the medical industry, and within this COVID ecosystem. I want to see Hopkins play. I want to see what this new staff can do in year one. They have some studs on that team. But if the administration does not play, and they note those reasons, I'm not necessarily going to agree with it, but I can understand it. Again, that that's you no. Know, I would hate to see it, but I I would understand it looking at it from their view. Um, but I would definitely n- not agree with it at all. Um, kids are safer at school, guys. Kids are safer at school. Trust me. Um, Trevor Lawrence said it best. Um, back to Hopkins here, and off that little tangent. Um, what would that mean for lacrosse, Hopkins-wise, and then Big Ten-wise? So Hopkins-wise, I think it would they would take a step back. I think they would take, you know, Peter Millman, you know, when you take over a program, there's some steps you got to go up, right, So you get to the top. And I think he's going up. I think, I think, he's, he's, I think he has Hopkins on the right track. I think they're on the right track. Uh, they have a lot of promise, I think. A lot can be achieved in this first year. Maybe, no, I don't think they're going to the uh, championship weekend or anything like that, or even the Big Ten title game. But I do think they could make the NCAA tournament at best. I don't think they'll do much beyond that, but I think they could do so. So, first of all, program develop-wise in terms of getting your own culture and everything in there, that could take a step back in the process of getting Hopkins back to where they need to be. Uh, that you know, puts Millman back a step. It also hurts them in recruiting. Because, look, I'm a high school kid deciding on where to go play lacrosse, and let's say I got a lot of high academic schools in there, right? And... Um, See, Hopkins canceled the season. Might not go there. Might go to another high academic school. Because they don't care about those students. They don't care about the student athletes. If you're canceling the school, you're canceling the um, season and you're not opening campus, 
when everybody else around us is, it's not a good look. Um, so from a recruiting standpoint, it will certainly hurt them. To what extent, I don't, I don't think it would be that massive um, because there's still Johns Hopkins. Like, there's still that name brand across school. Um, but I think it could hurt them in the long – it could hurt them a bit. Um, maybe not as much as I think. Because um, I, don't, I don't think it will be massive, but it will be significant maybe early on. Um, might hurt them in the 2022 cycle. Might see some decommitments or whatever. Um, but I think it could certainly hurt um, nonetheless. As far as the Big Ten is concerned, though, I think Rutgers would give a big thank you to Hopkins if they do not play. Here's why I think Rutgers or Ohio State could give a big thank you to Hopkins because those are the two teams, Rutgers and Ohio State, that I – so Big Ten has six teams. If they take away – if Hopkins doesn't play this year, they'll have five. That auto-bid NCAA tournament, that's not going to be taken away um, just because a team opted out. But what that could do is give another team in that conference a better chance of making the tournament as an at-large. Let's, uh, so let's say Maryland and Penn State are in the title game, and they both get in. Maryland wins. They get the auto-bid. Penn State get, gets in as an at-large. Well, Ohio State and Rutgers, let's say they both had great seasons, both have some great wins. Let's say, heck, one of them either even beats Maryland, right? I don't think that would happen, but let's, for the sake of this discussion, say that happens. Let's say Hopkins also upset Maryland, right? Let's say Ohio State, Hopkins, and Rutgers are all kind of that same playing field. Upset up, upset Maryland or Penn State, whatever. Which team do you think of those three? Just, if I told you the names, which one do you think would get in the NCAA tournament? If they're all even, all equal. I'd say Hopkins. We've seen it before. Oh, we've seen it before. We have seen it before. I'd say Hopkins. So not having them play would, could in turn, help Ohio State, help Rutgers get an auto bid that maybe they didn't, wouldn't have gotten if Hopkins was uh, in the same situation as them. Could also help some other teams as well in some other conferences. Um, maybe Villanova is a bubble team, and they have a similar resume, and they get that at-large bid that Johns Hopkins might have gotten if they were there. So that that's kind of how my take on what that could do for the season, Hopkins-wise, and you no know, Big Ten-wise, um, if Hopkins does not play the season, which again. Hopkins, I want y'all to play. I want y'all to play. Y'all need to play. Y'all should play. Now, well, this is the kind of last topic we're going to talk about here. It went a little long on that Hopkins thing, as I expected to. Um, wanted to talk about two teams in particular, and actually this is another thing that pertains to a question I got about a few weeks ago. Um, they asked me what the... Uh, and I didn't want to talk about this on the mailbag episode. I wanted to go a bit uh, lengthier on it. 
uh, than I do with some things on the mailbag. But uh, the question was, what are two fun teams that people should watch this year? Two fun teams. Well, that's a fun question. Um, and um, I'm going to tell you, man, like, this was a, um, this was a, like, I, you know, I, went through all my previews I've done of teams and there's a lot of fun teams in lacrosse. Like that's something people don't, if you just follow like Maryland, Penn state, Duke, say like, if you just follow the top teams and you just watch the TV games, like, man, you miss a lot of fun lacrosse. Like, cause there's a lot of fun teams out there. Um, and the question asked for two and I, for you know, the sender of the question, you know who the two are that I'm going to talk about. Um, two are Moser and Siena. Um, kind of unconventional teams, I would say. Um, mid-majors, obviously. Moser being in the SoCon, Siena being in the MAC. Um, and then a third team I would add in here, and I've talked about this team a lot, is, is Marist. Um, I like Marist. I don't you know. I'm, I'm like uh, Keegan Wilkinson. I think he's one of the best mid-major coaches, probably the most underrated coach in the country. He's done a fantastic job there. Um, but the two kind of fun teams that people don't talk about a lot are Moser and Siena. Um, Moser, man, this this offense they got. They got this kid Sean Goldsmith. He's out of Jamestown, North Carolina. He led the nation in goals per game last season, I believe it was. Um, like this, this offense is phenomenal. Goldsmith gets the ball almost every possession. Um, and they get a lot of possessions. Ashton Wood um, is a fantastic uh, faceoff man. Went 70% last year. Um, no, and this is a team that, they haven't been, this program historically hasn't been that good. They've gotten a lot of, like, good under-the-radar kind of players from the state of Georgia. And I believe, who is it? Who is this kid's name? Oh, Kevin Yagi. Kevin Yagi. I think he's the leading all-time scorer. He was a fun player to watch a few years ago. Since he's graduated, they haven't done a ton uh, they won one game in 2019, went 1-12. They went 6-1 and one last year, probably the bounce-back team of the year, I would say, um, for what this season we got. Um, and that offense was the firepower. That offense like led their, this turnaround. Um, Chad Sermon is the head coach now with Kyle Hanna leaving over the offseason. Uh, Sermon was given the interim tag and then, subsequently had that removed um, just a few months later. Uh, so he's the head man. He's he's sitting in the captain's chair now down there in beautiful Macon, Georgia. Um, and you know, he's leading one of the uh, one of the programs that I've said for a while, like you know, High Point's done good. Richmond's done good. Air Force is obviously always going to be a, a top dog in the, um, in the SoCon, I believe. Um, and, and Jacksonville is starting to do good. Like, I think Mosa, two programs that have done probably the least in the SOCON besides VMI, and VMI is difficult to recruit to, and there's many reasons why VMI is not as good as people think they should be. 
Um, they certainly can be good, but there's some prohibiting factors there that I've seen and I've talked about a couple on the show before. Um, but in terms of SoCon, like Bellarmine, which is 15 minutes down the street from my house, and Mercer uh, have been underperforming. They've shown glimpses of success. They've shown glimpses of what they can be. And they'll go right back down to the basement. Mosa seems to be climbing back out of that basement. I think Bellarmine's a few years away from doing that. Um, but Mosa is, is a fun team. Uh, they're a fun team because of the offense. I think they'll be a fun team this year. Um, and probably in, in, in years to come as well. So if you are a... Uh, college lacrosse fan who doesn't normally watch some of these smaller teams, uh, the number one team I would suggest you try to catch if you want to start diving deeper into this sport is is Mercer. If you're just looking for a fun team to watch, um, they're not. I don't think they're going to win the SoCon this year. I think they have a chance, possibly. Um, you know, of course, anything's possible. Um, but you know. We'll see what happens. I think the, the defense is a little lackluster uh, compared to the offense, but that offense is fiery. Uh, Sean Goldsmith is a uh, fun player to watch, uh, as is you know, multiple other guys on the offense as well. Michael Quinn, Will McCarthy both coming back. They were top five scorers last season. Uh, they're both coming back for a fifth year. Um, each had tw- at least – I think they each had – like double-digit goals and assists last year. So, I mean, they share the sugar very well on this offense. Um, Goldsmith, point up those stats here, Goldsmith had 34 goals and eight assists last year. So he's a shooter, uh, elite shooter, I would, I, would, I would call him. This is a fun team to watch. And I uh, mentioned they get the ball a lot and they can, they can yeah. sling it. And uh, they move pretty quickly. Sienna has, you know, William Gleason has been there for a few years now. Um, I think this is going into his third year, I believe. Um, and their offense under him, they've had some good players on their team, uh, but this offense, he's really unlocked a lot of these these guys' potentials. And uh, Gleason came from Albany, and so there's no... no no shock when Sienna kind of started ramping things up offensively. I I knew they would do that when they hired him, and uh, he's done nothing but that. Um, and you know they've just improved and improved every year since he got there in 2019. Obviously, last year didn't have a full season. Uh, they got a lot of guys back this year. A lot of guys back. Uh, <clears throat> Dylan uh, Penalone was, I believe, the leading goal scorer last season. Uh, Jack Kunin uh, has been uh, – Jack Kunin was the leading scorer uh, last season. Uh, Pat, uh, Penalone was the second leader. Uh, so both those guys are back. Jack Kunin is a, a very, very fun player to watch. Um, and they have multiple other guys back as well. Uh, this is an offense that has been very, very effective. And I'm going to read you some stats here real quick. So in 2018, they ranked like 34th in D1 in scoring offense. They averaged 10.3 goals a game. 
and they ranked 56th in shooting percentage. They improved that to 12.92 goals a game and 28% in shooting percentage. That puts them at a top 15 scoring offense and just outside 36th best shooting percentage, so just outside that uh, 35 mark. They've been improving, and I think this is the year with as many guys as they have back that we could see maybe that peak from Siena. Um, what is that going to turn into as far as wins and losses? I don't know, but Siena is definitely an offense that if you're a fan of lacrosse and you like offense, that is a team that you are going to want to want to watch as well as Mercer. So those two teams, Siena and Mercer, are the two uh, teams that I would call fun teams that I would advise every college lacrosse fan to watch this season uh, if you want to see some fun and fast-paced offense that isn't coming from, you know, one of the big dogs. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, have the podcast now on YouTube. They usually come out on YouTube about a day after they come out on uh, the listening platforms, but they are on YouTube now as well. Uh, Lacrosse Bucket is the YouTube channel. Uh, you can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My personal Twitter at Tanner underscore Demling. Uh, the email at uh, email is lacrossebucket at gmail.com. You can send your mailbag questions to be answered on uh, Sunday's mailbag episode every Sunday uh, via any of those uh, platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email. Again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you all on Thursday.